We are in the midst of a section that deals with Christian living, writing to believers, those who have a living relationship with Jesus. And today's section covers three verses. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, where Paul gives us three very brief statements about what God's will is for us. First Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. And Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, these are words that you have given by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Teach us, Lord, what it means today to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, for we pray in his name. Amen. If you've ever been on a diet... You probably know that you have some very strong urges to eat things that maybe you shouldn't eat, like ice cream or cake or cookies, whatever it is. There was a woman who was on a diet who really loved donuts, and she had a great urge for a donut, so she did what every believer ought to do. She prayed. And her prayer was, Lord, if you want me, some of you have heard this, if you want me to have a donut, would you please have an open parking space in front of the bakery? And she said, sure enough, after ten times around the block, there it was. I'm not sure that's the best way to pray about God's will. The best way that you can know the will of God is to spend time in the Word of God. Because God's Word in many different places tells us very clearly what God's will is. Sometimes people think that the will of God is some mysterious thing that you're always trying to find, but you never really get there, never really understand it. And I think if we spend time doing what we know to be the will of God, that the other areas of our life where we question that God would make that clear. So what is God's will for us? Three statements that Paul gives. It is God's will, first of all, that we rejoice always. Now, when you read that command of Paul, are you tempted to ask, do you really mean this, Paul? Does he expect us to rejoice always? When you examine all the trouble that Paul had experienced in life, it seems to me that at least in many occasions he had learned the secret of rejoicing always. I think of the time in the book of Acts when Paul was in the city of Philippi. And he was beaten and he was put in stocks and at midnight in prison... He and Silas, what, start singing hymns of praise to God. And the 
Lord came down in a mighty way. There was an earthquake and the Philippian jailer came to know Jesus that day. Can you imagine being in prison, having been beaten in stocks and you're singing hymns of praise to God? I can imagine myself thinking, Lord, get me out of here. I didn't deserve this. (laughs) And yet he was singing hymns. So what Paul is telling the Thessalonians to do Could we not say that he himself had done rejoicing even in a circumstance like that? Well, let me remind you that apart from God's work in our life, it is not possible to rejoice always. We are sinful human beings. We have a sinful nature. We have a selfish nature. And we want life to be easy, don't we? We want life to be free from trouble. We don't want to be put in those situations that are challenging. And we don't like it even when little things go wrong. I remember standing in line several years ago when Circuit City was still in town. And I still I don't remember exactly what the lady was bothered by. It was just a very small thing, and I thought she was going to have a stroke. She was so upset, so angry, so frustrated with just a little thing. And I've seen that more than once, standing in line. Haven't you? In, in stores, people are just angry, upset. In our own flesh, that's what we are. But joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is what God produces in us, even in times of difficulty. I think of the prophet Habakkuk as he writes at the end of his little book. Habakkuk chapter 3, listen to what he says, starting at verse 17. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom... And there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive tree should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Now that sounds like a pretty depressing situation, doesn't it? But he says in verse 18, Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And he tells us why then in the last verse of the book, the Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hinds feet or like the feet of a deer. And he makes me walk on my high places. Yet, in spite of all this, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I think of the apostles in Acts chapter 5 when they were brought before the Sanhedrin, beaten. Verse 40 of Acts 5 says, After calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That is not natural. That is supernatural. That is the work of God. That is the fruit of His Spirit. It is God's will. And by His work and strength and power and grace in our lives, 
that we rejoice always. And maybe the second one is related to the first, that we pray without ceasing. The principle of praying without ceasing is a principle that Jesus taught clearly in his ministry. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, verse 7, he said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. And all three of those words are present tenses. Meaning what? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Luke 18.1, Jesus told His disciples a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And so the picture we're given here is that prayer to the Christian ought to be as natural as, as breathing. As we go throughout our day, we, we are in a spirit of prayer. I don't think what Paul is saying here is that we ought to be just, you know, on our knees, head bowed, eyes closed, hands folded all day. But as we face the various challenges of the day, we face them in communion with Jesus. Lord, I have a test now. Help me with this. Lord, here's an opportunity to witness. Give me the words to say. Lord, I'm worried about this. I cast my care on you. Whatever it is during the day, we are facing those situations with him. Praying without ceasing. And isn't it good to know that when you face those challenges of the day in a spirit of prayer, that there is a God who listens to that prayer. There is a God who hears that prayer. There is no voicemail with God. There is no answering machine. There is no busy signal. You can actually talk to a person and He hears you. That's His promise. That's His invitation to come to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. God is our refuge, our strength, and ever-present help in time of trouble. Isn't it good to be able to go to Him in prayer? So what is your need today? Is it health concerns? Is it finances? Is it family concerns? Is it an unsaved friend? Is it future plans? doesn't matter, does it? We bring it to Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's the promise? And the peace of God that transcends all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then thirdly, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, most of us would like to think that we are thankful people, wouldn't we? That we are grateful people for what God has done for us and what others do for us as well. 
And yet there's probably some growth that we would see in this area to give thanks in in everything. In everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you. And again, we might ask the question, Paul, do you really mean everything? Really? Everything? Bible scholar Matthew Henry was once attacked by thieves and robbed of his billfold or wallet, whatever you call it. And he wrote these words in his diary. Listen to this. He said, let me be thankful first that I was never robbed before. Second, although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Third, although they took my all, it wasn't much. And listen to this. And fourth, let me be thankful because it was I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. Now, there's a man that had cultivated a thankful heart, right? Do we have thankful hearts today? Are we thankful people? Or are we amongst those who seem to always find something that is wrong? Sour? Negative? Don't we have reason to be thankful people? We need to understand that thankfulness is a result of certainly salvation and then the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think of Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul describes what it means to be filled with the Spirit. He says, don't get drunk with wine for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to describe some of the results of that. He gives some participles that modify that. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is Paul saying there? The result of being filled with the Spirit is thankfulness. Thankfulness. And then we turn to Colossians chapter 3, and we see something very similar. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Sounds like the same results, doesn't it? And there's a reason. And the reason is this, the Spirit-filled life is really the Word-filled life. When you fill your heart and mind with the Word of God, the Spirit of God does His work in your life. The Holy Spirit works through the Word of God. And so the Spirit-filled life and the Word-filled life, you can't really separate the two. And that's why the results are really the same. And one practical way that the Holy Spirit helps us to be thankful at everything 
is by helping us to understand that God is the one who is at work, as Romans 8.28 says, in, in every situation. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And I know sometimes we just kind of quote that verse and, you know, just apply it to every situation. But we need to understand that that indeed is what God does in our lives. He causes all these things to work together for good. That doesn't mean that all things are good or all things are easy. There are some things we face in life that are very trying, very difficult. But God causes all things to work together for good. Like if you bake something from scratch... And you take all the ingredients, if you were to take each one of those ingredients and eat them individually, some of them you'd want to spit out of your mouth as soon as you got it in, right? But you know what? God takes all of the experiences of our life, and in His divine mixing bowl, if you want to call it that, He accomplishes wonderful things. Not easy things, but wonderful things. And besides that, there are times when God is working in our lives to bring good into the lives of other people through some of the difficult situations we face. I think of Joseph, sold by his brothers as a slave into Egypt. Remember what he said, what you meant evil, God meant for good to save lives. Bear the nation of, of Israel. It's amazing. When you think that God's plan for our lives is so much bigger than ourselves. He's accomplishing things, and not just in us, but accomplishing things through us. And I think that's why, then, we come back to these three statements, these three commands. That we rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything of thanks. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It may or may not be God's will to have that open spot in front of the bakery. <laughs> but we know that God's will is that we rejoice always. That we pray without ceasing. That in everything we give thanks, by His grace and His power, in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that You do have a plan for our lives. And Your will is not some mysterious thing that we search and search and search for and never seem to find. But in many, many places in Scripture, it is very clear what Your will is. Help us, Lord, to live in light of that fact. And then in those situations that we just don't seem to know what to do, we, we know, Lord, that you're going to lead in those as well. That you will guide us day by day, all the way. Our Savior leads us. Lord, how good to know that truth each day. Encourage us, O oh God. Strengthen us. Give us joy today. Give us thankful hearts today. Help us to experience what it means 
to face our day in the spirit of prayer, depending upon you, O God, for all that we need for each and every day. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.